Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Jeff Cole, official announcer for Footy Prime the Podcast or Footy Garage. Make up your mind, boys. You know, aside from being a world-renowned voice actor, presenter, and announcer... I'm also a birthday party performer. And guess what? That's what today is on Footy Prime. Dan Wong and James Sharman. Happy birthday, boys. And guess what? You owe me $800 for this. Let's get this party started. 800 bucks. 800 bucks. Take it out of the coffers. All the money that this podcast produces. 800 bucks is a flash in the pan. Welcome to Footy Prime, the Footy Garage. Yes, uh, kind of a birthday edition. Mine was, in fairness, uh, over almost two weeks ago now. But but the Wong man here, Dan Wong, his birthday was yesterday. A lean, mean, fifty-four, uh, and you're looking great, Wonger. Thank you. You look thirty-eight. Thank you. What a superpower! It's my only one I've got. I look more and more beige, green, and uh, younger every time. I'm I'm the Asian Benjamin Button. The Curious Case of Daniel Wong. I'm James Sharman. He's Dan Wong. You heard Brendan Dunlop's voice. Uh, You heard Craig Forrest, who is somewhere between Ottawa and Toronto right now. And back in the garage for the first time in a couple of weeks, Danny Dickio. Fresh off a rather successful Canada camp. Uh, We'll we'll get to that pretty shortly, but I have to mention, I'll be remiss if I missed it, Yes, it's a birthday celebration today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But more importantly, um, there's a young man on the show today who's also experiencing a very special day, and that is Craig Forrest. Yesterday was International Goalkeepers Day. Craig, congratulations. It's that special day of the year. You know, it, it dwarfs Christmas and birthdays and anniversaries. The International Goalkeepers Day. How did you spend it? Well, I don't know. I, I was getting so many messages. It's celebrated by millions, as you know, all across the world. And uh, at 12 o'clock on International Goalkeepers Day, I found out that it was there was actually a day called International Goalkeepers Day. I thought, well, why not? What a special group. Why, why shouldn't there be? <laughs> what a load of bollocks. Uh, there's God. Hallmark Holidays, right? And then there's this. You don't get any love. No love. Incredible. Like, what are we going to have next? Happy left-back day. Or happy holding midfield day. It's absolute disgrace. And it only just kind of really highlights how special goalkeepers are. 
Someone's a little bit jealous, aren't they? 458, <laughs> MFGA. He's bringing it already. Someone's a little bitter. There's no International Strikers Day. Yeah, we want a National Strikers Day, a National Forwards Day, a National Big Target Man Day. It's because every fucking day is this National Strikers Day. Your lives? My God, every single day is celebration. You are the most celebrated. Exactly. They do nothing all, like, for 90 minutes, nothing. And then, oh, tap one in from three yards, and they're a hero. That's why we get paid the big bucks, Craigie boy. I know, and you deserve it. Thank you. Yeah, I love you, really. They are strange people, aren't they, goalkeepers, though? They're really odd. I mean, how does something become an international day? Must it be, like, a government-mandated a government day to be classed international? Or can anything be considered an international day if you just go on social media. It does seem like there's a day for everything on social media. I think there's international day of the chairs with pillows on it. Yeah. There's an international day for everything. Well, I guess it's no more stupid Come than on, Easter. Don't put it down. Don't put it down. <laughs> Come on. I'm not saying you don't deserve it. So demeaning. See, that's why there's a day for us. Because nobody appreciates us. So, Craig, when you walk into a room, right, at a party or a restaurant or a bar, you know, when we used to do those things, like, do you know, like, just from the look, you know, ah, there's a goalkeeper here, another one, like, there's, there's an aura about them, an energy, or just like, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we know who you are, you know who we are? Yeah, yeah, just the nod. And the gloves, the gloves give it away. They're wearing the gloves. Because the, yeah. you're wearing the gloves 24-7, right? I picture you gardening to this day with, with those gloves. Showering, even. Everything, yeah. Well, well, Deech, we know a goalkeeper back well in the day, Budgie. That's who I think started this day, Craig. I honestly think Budgie started this day. It, yeah. would, it wouldn't put it past me. And who is Budgie again for the... Uh, John Burridge, one John of Burridge. the best characters in football for many, many a year, played for numerous clubs. Everybody. But he, played for everybody. He was the fashionista of um, goalkeepers as well, because goalkeepers have a strange... Uh, fashion sense as well. Craig, not so much because he just wears golf gear all the time, but for the majority part, goalkeepers are really having themselves. And I played with some goalkeepers that wore drastic clothes and at certain clubs we cut them up. Hey, you know what Lomi and those guys and monks used to do? We, you know, we, you always had a, a, a clothes guy, right? Your yeah. client club had a clothes guy. The fashion guy. So show, uh, the fashion guy, you show up at some hotel when you're up north, you know the deal. Well, Lomi and Monks and those guys, they would talk me into buying the worst shit. <laughs> they would. They'd be like, oh, look at that. Oh, it fits you perfect. Like, it was like Peter Crouch wearing the jersey. Like, oh, no, that looks fine. That's the style. And oh, yeah. Giorgio Arminis. I'd buy it. I'd buy it. Spend hundreds and hundreds of pounds buying crap. Couldn't get anything to fit. Yeah, I can believe that. I can believe that. But. Yeah. We used, uh, at, yeah. at Millwall, we used to, uh, if the fashionista guy used to come into the locker room, or actually anyone on the day, if they come in, like Dunlop comes in occasionally wearing some really outrageous gear, we'd wait for him to go out to the training session or go into the physio room, and his gear that he probably spent nearly a thousand bucks on, he'd have one of his jean trouser legs cut, he'd have his socks cut, he'd have his probably top put on a hanger and set a light. It was very, very drastic at Millwall. It was the harshest I've ever, ever seen. What's well, a good thing that Friday is International Anti-Bullying Day. Yeah, that's that, great. Uh, what, what a way to treat the young bucks and the, 
the fashionable, just because they dress different. Another international day. Yeah, should be. I what tell you is. what, it's a classic sight, though, when they try to put their socks on and it comes right. Goes straight through. <laughs> <laughs> Great uh, prank. I thought you were going to say throw them in the shower or put them in a cow patch. No, we, we had one goalkeeper. I think I don't know if I've told you this story, but at Millwall, it was the boy. He used to be at Ipswich as well, Craig. Um, Marshall. Is it Marshall? Yeah. Yeah, so he came, yeah. he came in the year we actually got to the FA Cup final. So he was a little bit lively as well. I, I got on well with him, but Andy Marshall, that was his name. So he came in. That's right. He was at Norwich as well, I believe. That's right. Yeah, he played for both uh, East Anglian clubs. Yeah. But uh, yeah. he, he came in and the Millwall boys were a little bit rough and ready, to say the least. And so he's come in and he's a little bit bullshit, giving it back to the banter. So it was actually Wisey, Dennis Wise, who was our head coach, said, sort this boy out. So we were like, does he mean sort like him sort him out? Like sort him out, sort him out. Wisey said, yes, I'm going to start it, but you guys will finish it. So the goalkeepers always go out early. So he's gone out early and he turned up in a really terrible, I think it was a Sergio Tacchini or a Fila kind of track suit. But it was uh, like, you know what the Scousers used to wear? What, what were these? Those, Those Benetons? Like the, uh, the, the tracky tops. The, the, no, but like the full tracksuit. It was that like really shiny material. Yeah, another one. Oh, like mean, the yeah. polyester. Yeah, it was yeah, it yeah. was awful. And so the boys said, okay, right, we're going to sort this out. They um, waited for him to go out because, as I said, the goalkeepers warm up early. They go out earlier than the players. They got his tracksuit and they actually put it onto a mannequin. So they put his tracksuit top and the trousers over the mat, the bottom of the mannequin, took it out to where he would start training with the team because the goalkeepers started their warm-up in a different part of the area. And they put it in the middle of the goal, taped it as well around the bottom so he couldn't move it. And they set it alight. Oh, wow. And I'm thinking, okay, there's going too far, but this has gone way too far. And he lost his shit. He's like, I fucking just bought that tracksuit. And we're running around doing our joking warm-up. And this mannequin is going up like hellfire. Like an effigy. <laughs> yeah, like an effigy. In this goal. And Wisey's just giving it the big thumbs up to the lads like that. Excellent. <laughs> Wisey, Dennis Wise. Still can't believe he's a football manager. Crazy gang, yeah. He was wow. the leader of the crazy gang. He was, yeah. Yeah, wow. Wow. That's why no one likes us. We'll light your clothes on fire. Where did you get a mannequin from? No, no. So the mannequins that we use for um, training. Like you know, CPR like spike, mannequins? No, the spike ones. <laughs> right. We use the spike ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would have been better on one of those CPR mannequins, to be quite honest. Would you guys say that this has been a better start to the show than the one that wasn't recorded? <laughs> I think so. I just hope one has press record this time. <laughs> I did. I did it. Just take free. I, I was a I little. Think, I was a little shy and I bashful think, to say I did press record. Wasn't <laughs> I? The, the, the first one was definitely a bit, a bit more edgy. Yeah. Right. I think it's more inappropriate. This has been a bit more PG, which is probably a good thing. I applaud you guys for hitting all the hits of the first bit. I feel like my second opening wasn't nearly as strong as the first. I always feel that way. You mm. know, on those numerous occasions that someone forgets to press record. 
that the first one is always better. Than, 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 <laughs> it always is. But you guys, you guys were way more charming and funny the first time. But credit same jokes don't work the same no. the second time. Credit to Wonger in the middle of of, of one of um, Forrest's long rants about how goalkeepers don't get enough respect. Fifteen minutes in to recognize, oh, I've missed the recording because we did an entire Euro preview show back that, at yeah. the old station we it's used to really work good at. Show too. And it was a great show, an hour long, and they realized they didn't record it. Who was the producer? Name him. No, I don't was, know, but, but we, we, we... Was got, it Schwartzy? It wasn't Schwartzy, no. <laughs> the next time we saw him, though, we got his tracksuit, right? And we got this mannequin. <laughs> yeah. And, See? And, and we, that's we how you deal with things, and, and you know what? He and didn't forget to press record right. again. It would never, that would we, never ever happen. You we, should... Should have done that in the in the sports studios, fellas. We put it in the Rogers cafeteria. That's what it was. <laughs> it's hung it up in the middle of the day. People were terrified. And then he burned his family. Jesus. <laughs> was that too far? And it got dark quick. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, lots to get to in today's show, uh, as well as embracing and acknowledging International Goalkeepers Day and, and Dan Wong's birthday. But uh, we'll get to some, some Canada very shortly. Some TFC MLS kicking off. This weekend, um, Hansi Flick's been in the news. Jose and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer are, are, are whining a lot to each other and about each other. Kuniguero's leaving Man City. Who might replace him? Where is he going to? Uh, lots to get to in today's show. So, Lena Loco, topics. We got topics. Topics. We got topics. Lots and lots and lots of great topics. <laughs> See, uh, we we lose Deech for a couple of weeks. Run it again. I love it. (laughs) Rewind. And play. Topics. We got topics. Lots and lots and lots of great topics. See, Deech leaves for a couple of weeks and we get all professional and stuff. It's unbelievable. Yeah, well, you're paying 800 bucks for birthday wishes. I think her fee just went up. I I wish Elena was was that cheap. Jesus. Man, she's like breaking the bank right now. It's <laughs> it's funny because she's she's mentioned several times that she thinks she can do that better. She's out. Are you guys going to use that again? Maybe I should re-record it. Get the whole band together. <laughs> it's she's perfectly professional that. for us. But any other jingles she feels like she wants to record for us, we're more than open to to playing them every single week. But not footy picks. That's not footy picks. No, that's 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 Dickie and Wong's domain. Sorted. Did you hear him last week impersonating you? No. No, I didn't but listen to the whole I episode. Did, I don't think last I did week. too badly. Oh, you yeah. just listened to the first bits where listened, we would talk yeah, about you. I was on the bike, so I was listening to the first part, first 40 minutes or so. Just you went on for long last week, huh? <laughs> How long did you go on for? Oh, jeez. Yeah, we, while. we had about a 14 and a half minute close <laughs> where we just tangent <laughs> off. I think I, you know, I think we all took a pee in between that. <laughs> we all took a rotation of a pee. I like the 90 minute shows. I mean, football's 90 minutes. Why shouldn't the shows about it be that long? Yeah, yeah. Correct. And some people actually have uh, let us know they do actually listen to the entire podcast, which is surprising. <laughs> Sends them to sleep nicely. Yeah, it does, yeah, every night. <laughs> we have a growing new fan base. We have it. We're on TikTok now. Yeah. It's the numbers are going up, Craig. What's that, Craig? Unplugged. Unplugged. The garage unplugged. That's right. I see what you mean. I didn't know if you were talking if you were giving us a warning to <laughs> Wonger set up to like look and see that he's got something Wonger, unplugged. We are recording now, but he forgot yeah, to plug in the mics. Make sure I'm plugged in. <laughs> anyway, to football teach. You're back yes. from a very successful Canada camp, uh, and then the quarantine that followed, of course. 16 goals, you were kind of, were you in charge of the forwards, or 
what is exactly your role with those that <laughs> should we give all you all the credit yeah, one is it was it Herbert yes, or was, was it all, was all you in charge of them for the whole 10 day period yeah like actually 11 because Cayman Islands and- fucked up a day uh, when is international international assistant coaches day is that coming up <laughs> that's right assistant assistant coaches the unloved the unloved the assistant assistant coaches no uh, I, I was i was working with the forward group um the staff is set up in a really cool way that a little bit like american football where you have specific coaches for specific units and I think John has been using that for a while now. And because Mauro Biello was with the U23s in the Olympic qualifying, there were uh, a number of staff down. So he had asked me last year to be a part of it. And um, thankfully, there was nothing going on. We wasn't training yet at TFC. So um, I was I was lucky enough to jump in. And as I said, he was specifically asking me to work with the forward group um, during training sessions, team meetings, and all the other general stuff that goes into preparing for a game. But it was a a really, really cool experience. I was speaking to Dan earlier before the show that it's just a a real high level of of preparation and detail that goes into the actual game plan, regardless of who's put in front of you, regardless of who you're playing. Well, I mean, Craig, you've you've been part of that national team setup where you've traveled halfway around the world and the last thing you want is a three, four-hour tactical meeting to explain what we're going to be doing in the training session and games coming up. Um, so you have to be very wary of, first of all, your audience and the players that you're trying to get the message across to and you have to be very picky with it. There's actually a lot of the detail and meetings that go on before the players actually get into camp. Um, players are arriving at different times, as you know as well, Craig. We, we had Atiba and, and Kyle Laring come in on the Tuesday, sorry, uh, late Monday evening. So they, they basically had one training session before the Bermuda game. So you have to be knowledgeable in, in how much you can use these players how much the air travel is taken out of them as well. Um, but at the same time, you have to get your message across in, in the way you want to play and the tactics and objectives of how we're going to win the game. And I thought they really, really controlled that uh, very well because being a national team manager is totally different than a club manager. As you, as you know, Craig, as you said as well, you've got them for a specific amount of time. You could basically have three sessions, proper sessions, over that 10-day period because you're playing, you're recovering, um, you're trying to keep some players tip-top that haven't played maximum minutes as well and keeping their their mental approach, keeping them engaged as well. But they've got a wonderful staff there with the national team set up from whether it be the medical staff, which are called the peak team. They've got the tech staff that deal with everything on the field. It's just a, a big show of support for for John in getting those games and the team ready for for the competition. What was it like for you? What was it like for you, Danny, to work with some guys that you might have only known from TV or a few 
you know, chance meetings and, and such a, a diverse group because, uh, you know, there's not too many camps where you've got someone with the experience of Atiba and then a lot of new bloods and debutantes like we had in this last camp. What I would say is that, first of all, it's very refreshing to meet new players, guys you've seen on TV. You always kind of wonder about their personality and their character, but I would say 99.9% of the players that were in that group were of very, very good personality, very good character, very humble and and wanting to play for the country, which was very refreshing to me, you know, coming from England where you've always got a couple of big-time Charlies that think they deserve to be in the team no matter how they're playing. Uh, I just felt this, they talk about this brotherhood, of building this brotherhood in in trying to get Canada back to the promised land of, of being in a, a proper tournament, a World Cup tournament. And the way they're building their culture there uh, is second to none. And everyone's buying into it. You've got Atiba who's flown halfway around the world after playing late on a Sunday with Kyle Larin and wanting to play in both games. Luckily, Atiba organized it with his club that he would play in the one game and then have to fly home. But it just shows you he, he, he flew in for basically two or three days to to be captain of his country. He, he feels that is a necessity. No. Yeah. And the, and the majority of these guys, Craig, they the majority of these guys, Craig, had to they they didn't get direct flights as well. As you know, it's it's tough getting into the states on a direct flight at the moment. Even from Toronto, we couldn't fly direct. So the majority of these guys are not flying direct from Turkey from. Uh, Germany, they're flying all around the world to get in at different times. And it was it was a big test. But as you said, the commitment level and, and the humbleness of the guys really excited to see each other um, was was second to none. They they were, they were a good bunch of guys that, that you could tell enjoy each other's company. It's different than the States where they're, they're together every three or four months, Craig. These guys haven't been together for 16 months, some of them. So it was it was refreshing to see. Hey, Deitch, Funzi, he's obviously so young. You know, he's still a kid, but he's becoming so experienced. Um, how did the, the younger players look to – were they looking up to Funzi? What is his role in that team off the field? Is he, is he a, a big voice? Is he becoming a leader? What, what is his personality like within that room? I think – you kind of look at Fonzie, how you see him on the TV. He's always got a big smile on his face. There's, for me, I didn't see any big time Charlie attitude with him. Uh, he was very respectful to all his teammates, to his staff. And, and that, that was expected for me. But knowing that he's probably in the top 10 players in the world at the moment, if not the best left back in the world at the moment, you're always looking to see if there is that little bit of edge to think, Hey, I'm bigger and better than you guys. He's an excellent player. We know that. He's a fantastic, fantastic player that shows unbelievable pace. I never knew how quick he was until you see him live. But nothing. He's just, he's not a cheerleader in the group. He'll say he's peace. The guys respect him because of 
where he's playing and stuff and they know that he's a big part of of Canada moving forward and trying to get to where they want to get to. But um, I wouldn't call him a joker, but he's loose. Yeah, yeah I think seems he's like a, a fun guy. guy. Is it, um, so was he in your Ford group? Because <laughs> you never yeah, know. He, he was. was actually, he was. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. he was. But again, we had our meetings with Fonzie uh, when he was in Germany, and then little little bits of information prior to training sessions and during the training sessions as well. But again bought into everything that John was trying to put forwards to him, uh, listen to information, detailed information, whether it be from myself, from Eric, from Stevie Caldwell, whoever it was talking to him, there was no arrogance or air of arrogance about him. So obviously at Bayern Munich is left back, as defender, and he comes to Canada, he's playing in a more advanced role, he's in your forward group. What's the one thing he's got to work on to become a forward as opposed to being that everyday defender? Well, what I would say, and this was a funny conversation I had with him, is that he wants to be a forward. Yeah, he yeah. does. He loves coming with Canada because he knows he's going to play as a wide forward or up top. And and John knows that, you know. Um, but why not? You've got one of the best players in the world. We've got a suitable, uh, very capable left back in Sam who can do a job there. So why not unleash Fonzie in a higher position where he can hurt teams? You know, so I think it's a balancing act because in the second game, we knew we had to not rest him, but we wanted to play him again. And we played him. John played him in a little bit more deeper role because we knew we were going to be playing against a low block of Cayman. We knew they were going to sit in. We knew Fonz was going to have a lot of the ball on that left-hand side to support Liam Miller on the left. So it worked out really well. But again... I think Fonz could play three or four games in a row and he'd be quite capable of doing it and not, not feel anything. He had a, a couple of twinges with his back, but that was probably because of the long flight and stuff. Do you think in 10 years' time when we're looking at his career um, at Bayern Munich or wherever he's playing at that point, is he still a left back or do you think he'd be moving forward at club level as well? That's interesting. It really is interesting. It's something I think you'd have to speak to the German... It's about the Bayern Munich hierarchy to see where, where they see him. Is there another left-back coming through the system? Um, is there someone that's going to push Fonzie, like Fonzie pushed Alaba kind of out of his position as well? And do they move him up higher? Um, I think at this moment, he's very happy and content that he's playing for, if not the biggest club in the world at the moment. And Bayern Munich have a history of converting players and moving them to where they see fit from Alaba from being a fullback to a center back. They, Alaba has been playing in midfield. I think the last time out he played in, in midfield in the Champions League when they were out. And, and it's fine because he always played midfield for, for Austria. Right. Right. Which is a bit like you see in Fonzie now cutting his teeth in a different position internationally, but then maybe, you know, fast forward five or six years, he's playing that role for his club. It's, you know, I wonder if that was the conversation actually into this last leg and looking at, I'm sure that must have been a backroom conversation about should we try Fonz up front instead of Chupamoting, who, you know, is, uh, I think, a Champions League caliber, but not Bayern Munich caliber forward. And they were really kind of rolling the dice as the underdogs, which is a very rare situation for Bayern Munich against PSG. And they came up short. I would have liked to have seen them maybe tried Fonzie up front. PSG wouldn't yeah. have known what to do with him. No. I mean, it's it's a conversation that I think they might have had, but I think Chuba Moutinho has scored goals in the Champions League yeah. and it would kill that guy's, per, not personality, but his mental 
aspects of you're covering for one of the best strikers in the world at the moment. Right. So we need to keep him on an even kill. But I would love to see Fonzie play in a higher position for Bayern because I think they're a, a really good attacking um, outfit. But I just feel that it suits him a bit because they start from a, a position inside opponents' halves where they normally playing against teams that sit in and counter. So they want him starting in a deeper position. There's no point putting Fonzie up high against a really low block team. You're not going to get the efficiency from what he's really good at, at running into depth or supporting on overlaps, getting in the box on the dribble. Hansi Flick's substitution surprised me, though, because he let Chubamoting play for about 80 minutes. You can see that he was a bit weathered, a bit tired, but he didn't have the bench. I think that's what I would have loved to have seen. Okay, we'll bring on another fullback and let... Fonzie go up front instead he brought in Javi Martinez and played him up top yeah, that was for the last strange. few minutes yeah very strange well there's issues there right Bayern Munich with Hansi Flick the strong rumors he's off to Germany this uh, this summer when Yogi Love finally departs and there's there's you know issues between Salah Medzic and Flick at the very top of, of Bayern Munich's hierarchy so politics getting in the way so you know it's funny he, he's obviously done so well under Flick as Fonzie but new guy comes in next Next season, be it Nagelsmann, whoever it's going to be, yeah. um, you wonder how that affects uh, Klopp. the player. Shut up. <laughs> I don't. I don't think Klopp would do it. I don't think that to cross the divide. I think. I think that his time at Dortmund and Dortmund as a club means too much for Klopp to make that cross. I think there was a time he may have considered it, but I think time has passed now. I think so. Besides, a hey, Craig Klopp's a you know a, a declining force, right? Let's be honest. I mean, he's over the hill. He's he's been found out. <laughs> yeah. Right. Fonzie? <laughs> Klopp, Jurgen Klopp. Klopp. He's talking about Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> oh, Klopp. Oh, yeah, exactly. Craig's snapping at the wheel. You know, it's amazing. You, you, see it, you see it over and over again, don't you, with every different manager that's successful, and then they, you know, whatever. Is, you know, He's a good coach. He's going to be successful again. He's had a tough year. They've had a really tough year. They've And they have had no luck. I mean, with the injuries and... Uh, co- did they have a couple of COVID rescheduled games? I think too. It always seems like there's a, a threat and a curse on Liverpool. Excuses, excuses, though, yeah. right? You know, it's just been a, been a strange year. Um, that kind of we'll get back to TFC. Um, later in today's show, a little. Can bit. I get one quick yeah, thing on Fonzie? Go because, because Craig had thought we were speaking of Fonzie there. He was trending after that loss to PSG, and I was surprised to see that it was the world torching him for being a one season wonder. And uh, and for a minute there, I looked at myself and thought, okay, obviously I, I've, I look at his career biased because I want to see him do very well. But do these people have a point here? There was there was a lot of people, I'm surprised, just absolutely torching him. And I walked away from that thinking they're all just a bunch of assholes that don't appreciate Canadian greatness. That's really what it is. Well, listen, we, we've spoke about this before and Craig's alluded to there's going to be a time where Alfonso is going to face a little bit of scrutiny a little bit of backlash from fans, whether it be through bad individual performances or his team not performing at the highest level. He's a likable guy. He's a a standout guy who's got a lovely girlfriend. He's pretty affluent in social media as well. And those are the guys that the trolls and people that are very jealous seem to want to attack. So it it was weird, first of all, that they were blaming him for that loss. Um, but I think he's an easy target, Danny. Yeah, I mean, I can relate. I feel like just being good-looking is the reason I get picked on in groups all the That's time, particularly precisely. people on this podcast, you know? 
no, I, I really, I really enjoy the way you put you and Fonzie on the same level in social media. Basically, there. you know, it's did it's, not expect anything else. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Craig, uh, Dish mentioned um, the the Canadian chemistry in the room and how you know ninety nine point nine percent they were great guys. I want to find out who that point one percent is, by the way. And we'll we'll get to that over the coming weeks. Um, but but well, Craig, there's certain things you can't talk about. <laughs> Wouldn't do your career so much good. No, but Craig, I mean, you, you, you've always said though, you've always said, Craig, you've always said, you know, in all the years you played, you know, the one thing about Canada, um, maybe maybe not the most talent on the field. But certainly off the field, they were tight. You're a good group of guys. What is it about the Canadian character that, generally speaking, they're, they're good sorts in that locker room? You know, it's it's typical. You, you see it. I think it's sports in Canada. And generally, I mean, I grew up playing hockey and lacrosse. And you, you tend to grow up in that sort of team atmosphere and the coaches are, you know, always pushing for that. I think you're taught that at school as well. A lot of, a lot of, you know, what we would upset a lot of Canadian people, sports fans, especially the ones that just maybe watched the world cup and they see fanning injuries, the diving, the theatrics. And I get it. I get it. But in, Canada, we were never taught to do that, you see, so they see it as blatant cheating. And how, why do they do it? It's, you know, it's, it's a long story, but they don't get that here uh, at all because it's always about being fair. In countries that dive, like if you look at even South Americans and that are very good at it, it's uh, if they're going to win one over on somebody, their lives are so tough as it is. They're going to, you know, if they can do it, if they live in a culture that's, you know, beg, steal, and borrow. So it's cultural, really, more than anything. And also that the games, I thought VAR would actually stamp it out. And in fact, it's, it's not. It's actually making it worse. As soon as there's any contact at all, guys are going down and getting a call on VAR. It's just re- absolutely ridiculous. Charms, you'd asked about the chemistry in Canada and what makes it unique. I always thought from as an outsider, as a fan, and then as the media that, you know, Canada is unique in the sense of whether you were Craig, who, you know, the, the veterans at the time may have been Alex Bunbury, and then Craig was a veteran for guys like D-Row, uh, D-Row for guys like Oso. They all kind of have very similar experiences uh, with a national program, but also very similar experiences in the sense that they were always fighting for soccer to kind of get a better piece and a better take. I think that alone really unites guys. And now as you know, Canadians are spread all around the world. They're all kind of dealing with that a little bit and to a different extent too. Yeah, I, I get that. And that's been the case. I think is, is well put for Canada, but do you think a, a successful team room needs a couple of factions, a couple of dickheads, huh. a little bit of edge in there. If it's too nice, it could be just that too nice and you're not going to succeed. Is there anything to that? No. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. Ooh. No, no, yes, I agree. You, you, don't, you don't need a dickhead in there. No, I'm not talking about a dickhead, but you need a couple of little nasty motherfuckers in there that are going to stand yeah. up to people or let people know within the group that they're not doing their jobs properly or they're not abiding by the culture or the rules of the team. And yeah. 
I, I believe in what you said, Craig. You don't want dickheads on the team because they get found out very quickly. But you well, couldn't. And that's the thing, Deech. It's not. It's not like your your generation changes overnight. It's a gra- it's a gradual thing. So players are coming in gradually. They're learning from previous players. I was, you know, there during guys Carl Valentine, Dale Mitchell, Mike Sweeney. Been around forever and ever, and they were great role models. I think for us. Yeah, national team players, but it's quite a mix too, right? I mean, now there's, you know, it's a stronger professional presence, but we always had players that hadn't played a game like for 16 months, and it wasn't because there wasn't a league. They just, they didn't have a team. Yeah. Unattached. Unattached. Unattached, yeah. It's interesting as well because, uh, listen, Atiba was in for a very short amount of time, but I was lucky enough to to just sit and have a conversation with him just about like his obviously experience of playing for the national team, what it means to him. But he was really, really positive on the the welcoming talent coming through the pipeline and the younger generation. And he said, look, whatever you guys are doing at Toronto FC and even at the other academies and, and it's not just the professional academies, but other academies within the GTA and, boys that are going to school and, and performing well and getting drafted. But he said, we've never had such a, a mixture, a generation of young players coming through like we have now. And, you know, we've got to keep pushing those guys f- forwards and, and giving them the time, giving them the experience with the vets like like Atiba, like the junior Hoylets, guys like that that have played, been around the world, had the experience, kind of similar to yourself, Craig, but... He was really excited about this new current crop coming through, whether it be the boys that are with the full team at the moment, the U23s, even the U17s. And we've, we've just got a, it's for me, and I said this to him, it's not the fault of the players all the time that we have to lay the blame on them. It's now us as coaches that, that have to look in the mirror a little bit as well and say, are we doing enough to help these players reach their potential? Well, that's it. And there's been a lot of times in history where we've either couldn't get a contract signed in time. Um, something was up with, you know, fighting for something against the CSA, um, which you really can't have. you got to make sure. And I'm sure John's aware of all this. He's got a history, even all the history he has with the women's team. He'll learn an awful lot about the, the runnings of how it works behind the scenes. And how important that is. Big result for the women this week as well. Yeah, beating England. England 2-0, yeah. The England women are in uh, a, a bit of a pickle at the moment. Oh, yeah, Phil's left What now, a rut. So, you know, yeah. what, what chance do they stand? You know, what is... The women's team's uh, miss out is uh, into miami's gain <laughs> oh wow yeah how are they how are they gonna fare in, in there's, an, there's an english girl an english woman in charge of the national team yeah bev priestman yeah, bev yes she sounds no, like a geordie as well yeah. yeah she sounds just like john herbin so she was phil neville's assistant with the england team no was she sorry i, think, I thought i yeah. thought she'd worked with john herdman she was the assistant uh, with Canada. She was with the Canadian oh, program before. No, but she went to England, though. Yeah, I think she was between. assisting oh, Phil between, for a little okay. bit as well. Maybe not for his full time, but she was assisting her and doing a good job with the the girls now as well. They look they look a force as well. Yeah, they do good times for Canadian soccer. And uh, like uh, you you mentioned there, when when the Atibas of the world who've seen it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly, 
when they're saying, watch out, there's some really, really promising kids coming through this, this system right now. That must put a smile on every Canadian football fan's uh, face, that's for sure. Well, let's face, let's face, it, face it, Charms. If it wasn't exciting at his age, he would be concentrating solely on club football. That's a very yeah. good point, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Why would he, there's no reason why Atiba should be here. He doesn't need to. He's got nothing to prove. But here he is, nothing. coming out for games against the Cayman Islands and Bermuda, with all due respect. Didn't have to. He could have said, no, John, you know what? I'm sitting down. Call me when, call me when the big come, games come in the oct. But there he was, right? Atiba is such a class act. I mean, I wouldn't like to say for sure because he would, you know, it wouldn't surprise me that he would. But, I mean, let's face it, somebody at his age is probably in his best interest just to concentrate on club football if he wants to sneak another couple of years in. But, I mean, he's already, uh, you know, way beyond what we thought somebody could do at that level. I mean, the Turkish league, you know, it's, it's not the greatest league in the world, but it is a good league and they are absolutely fanatical there. He's a superstar and he's done incredibly well. You know, we've, we've actually had quite a bit of success when you look at, you know, what's going on with Bashik does he's won a title there. I think they'd only won one before, um, Glasgow Rangers win a title. Looks like we might have a Canadian win the French League. Yeah, that would yeah, be amazing. Right. Winning the, the the Serbian Superliga. Yeah, you got yeah from, from Boyan to David to Arfield to to Tiba and, and Kyle, of course. Literally lifting trophies. Yeah, like, exactly. Around Europe. Yeah, it's a shame that Jonathan David won't be there to lift the trophy on that day. Oh, his, he's, his he's injury. back. He's been back with the team? Isn't, yeah, I just saw yeah, that. He's training. Yeah. yeah, he's training again. Oh, amazing. They were saying he's out for a number of weeks. Yeah, I thought it was. Like, like, well, it's been over two weeks, right? Said the horse plasma works. Where work. do, you, where do you guys think he's going? Because there's no chance he's staying. That team is that team is done at the end of the year. They're yeah. selling him off. They're so in debt. Yeah. It's yeah. a one-shot deal. This is it. Like, they're going to win it, and they could be. they could even be relegated by their mismanagement of funds. They bought him for thirty million, and after this season, he's had a great second half of the season. But do you think he's earned enough uh, plaudits to earn more money than that? And I don't think, think he probably will end up doing getting more money. But I think it'll be a circumstance thing. It's not like they want to sell him, but it's like sure. we need the money. It always is with these French winners that aren't PSG, though. They always have to sell off their best. Yeah. Yeah. I hope he goes to AC Milan. It could be. It could be. It could <laughs> be absolutely crippling. Yeah, it could. The so, French, there's quite a few French clubs that are in dire straits. It's really sad what's what's happened there over the last year. The pandemic has made you know problems that already existed in French football a lot worse. And well, the they, media they deal. shut down for the whole year too, right? Yeah, I blame one soccer. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty controversial. Media deal. pro Spain. He means. Media pro, sorry. <laughs> it wasn't one soccer's fault. <laughs> one soccer actually doing a good job showing football at the moment. I must say. Well, no one else is. So it's it's you know, Costi are there canvassing it, you know, left, right, and center right now, covering all the national teams, and uh, yeah, they are doing all a great Jonathan job. Jonathan David's games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, about so so David obviously wasn't there this camp for you, Deech, but Carl Aaron was and, and took full advantage. Now I know it's Bermuda, I know it's Cayman Islands, but would you say that he was the big winner out of these two games? He really, I mean, he's been very good for Besiktas recently. Uh, slow start there, obviously, but really very good the last few months. Yeah, and he looked very, very good for Canada. He looked, he looked confident. Um, 
he's actually grown a lot in stature and just the way he carries himself. I remember him from a younger age playing for Sigma for a little bit in League One and then he obviously went to school and got drafted. I think he went to Orlando and places like that. And He always had promise. Um, super nice kid, again, very quiet and humble. Um, and my only message was hit to him was like, you're one of the top scorers in Europe at the moment, Carl. You got showed out on the international stage. And when I saw him in his first training session, I thought, this guy looks like me. He's hobbling around the field. And I was like, to John, I was, I'm not too sure. But he battled through two games and he was a nuisance. Again, you can only play against the opposition that's put out in front of you. And Canada have struggled against low-key teams before in whether it be World Cup qualifiers or get-togethers. So... Yeah, we're well aware. You don't have to go yeah, through yeah. the Rolodex. So we the know. message the message was basically, listen, we need to go out and score as many goals as possible because this could have an effect on the qualifications and the standings at the end of this group stage. So mm -hmm. Carl was a big part of that and he put his chances away. I thought he was a good addition to the group because obviously missing Johnny David, who is the talisman of this group, even though he's a young guy, having Carl pop in there shows you what depth this group has now. All right, well, listen. Uh, next, Aruba, right? Mm, yeah, I think it's Aruba, and then the big game is against Suriname in June. And by the way, that Suriname thing situation is really, really, well, it makes me a little nervous, to be honest with you. Like, these players, if you, I mean, you're obviously aware, Deitch, you probably even, you know, John probably had meetings about it, but the players virtually, most of them, had only played their very first two games for the country this round. Correct, yes. So, you know, they're, they're from lower division Dutch teams, but they're still decent football players, and they have nothing to lose. No, they're a good team. They, they have a, a, a central midfielder that plays in Turkey as well for Galatasaray. They have a couple of nice guys that play in the, the top division in Holland. Um, but again, you look at the, the, the quality that, that Canada has now, and you really shouldn't have to be afraid of anyone. No, Especially, no of course not. But you, you would be silly not to use it as your advantage that if the draw went to Canada, yeah, you know what, you, you, you really would. Like, I would be kicking some coaches that don't run up the score, and then you end up with a last-minute conceding the goal against you know a team that puts you out of the tournament so you do what you have to do for sure and it's a, and it's a completely different thing isn't it than a league and it's a it's a tournament it starts now the first part of this tournament is this group got to deal with every game score as many goals as you can and then it looks as though they'll probably face you know if they get through it they'll probably face haiti and that's going to be another yeah it's really going to be a playoff. And that's a quick turnaround as well, Craig, literally from June to July where you're playing a double playoff game against Haiti where COVID has really hit their country hard as well. Yeah, it has. Um, the, the travel in and out of the country, the heat, there's going to be all kind of obstacles and, and you know, stuff that the, the, the team will have to face. But the end goal is to get to the World Cup, Craig. So you've got to face these adversities and try and get through them. You've been through it all before. And as I said, the culture yeah. and the brotherhood that has been set up within this group 
has an end goal and they, they know what they have to get through. Well, let's hope more of these games are played in the States because, I mean, it's easy for us fans to say, oh, you know, Suriname, ah, or Haiti even. Let's be honest, Haiti, come on, come on. Really, Canada should be Haiti, but we know they're actually a pretty good team this time around. They caused some issues at a decent Gold Cup. But um, as Craig will tell you, no matter who you're playing in CONCACAF, going on the road is difficult. So if they are stuck in the States, which they might well be, it's not really a bad thing for Canada. You know, of course you want games up here, ideally, but you're also avoiding those games well, down there. Well, you know there. what, though? If, if I was going to take... Well, saying that, we'd, you know, we'd hope, hopefully do well at the box office, but the trouble is, in Canada, no matter how you spin it, if, if it was a game against Honduras, yeah, say BMO Field would be sold out, but there'd be several thousand Honduran fans there. Several thousand. That would never happen. Well, first of all, we would never take any fans. So what I'm saying is we have a disadvantage virtually all the time. So if they want to play in front of empty stadiums in Florida, home and away, I would take that all day long. <laughs> advantage Canada. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. 100%. For sure. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. It's going to be a fun summer, isn't it? International-wise. From Euro to the Canada's games, a lot of fun. Do you know, DJ, are you part of these camps yet? Or do you know yet? I don't think so because oh. we'll be Yellow's full back. in our season with T2 by then. You know? Right, so, of course. Unfortunately, uh, I don't think I'll be part of that that um, qualifying stage. But hopefully the boys will push through. Hey, I was just I was saying to Dan, it was a wonderful experience for me just being part of that high elite performing team whether it be the staff behind the team and the, the players themselves so I wish them all the best if I'm ever involved or invited back in again I would gladly accept yep it's going to be a good good few months and uh, you know it's funny the North American soccer season begins this weekend obviously really with with MLS kicking off and it should be a great great you know weekend for Canadian football it'll be in Montreal wouldn't it? I think it's a Montreal home game for TFC it's a Montreal home game but obviously they're playing in Florida um, which is a shame, but it's something, and we'll take it. So let's have a quick, very quick MLS um, preview, shall we? We'll get to some more European stuff very shortly. But uh, TFC, Montreal, Vancouver, there's, there's no doubt that there's fewer question marks around TFCB. I think it's fair to say. Um, new coach, though. Um, it seems to be a bit of a transitional year. A lot of young guys coming through. Some of the older guys are just that. They're aging, but you still have the league MVP. Still a very good team. Um, how do you see TFC's season? Well, after outsing the Mexican champions, I think the sky's the limit for TFC. It doesn't matter what 11 they put on the pitch now. So, you know, quietly, what a great result. Yeah, it was an amazing result for them to, to oust Lyon because I think they went in there hoping to, you know, build for a, a long MLS season and kind of put their, their best foot out there against competitive competition. But to be honest, you know, this is not um, their, their see, the season where they went to the final. I don't think they have a, had the expectation of prioritizing the Champions League and having a long run in the Champions League. Uh, they went out there, put their best foot forward, and it was it was more than good enough in that second leg, it, which it, was great. It's a, it was a crazy draw for TFC. I think they have to beat three Mexican teams, including the champions. Cruz Azul next. To get through to the final, where they would probably face another Mexican team. Right. Unless an MLS team gets through, which is likely because the MLS teams have really performed well in the early stages. But mm. going back to the game this week, like I've been banging on the door, as you know, guys, for ages about the young guys coming through that just need the opportunity. And I feel we've lost 
a couple of players throughout the years that could have been potential first team players, standout players. But this current group that I was lucky enough to work with for a number of years are now getting their opportunity. And it was it was a very like proud moment for me last night and even last week watching them in Lyon, just saying these are these are kids I've known since eleven years old that are playing against the Mexican champions in a hostile atmosphere and then at home yesterday, whether it be in Florida, these guys have been on the road for a long, long time. Yeah. They've faced a lot of adversity. We had a couple of COVID outbreaks here in Toronto. And for me, a lot of credit has to go to uh, Chris Armas and the staff in just how they've brought everyone together and said, look, it's us against the world at the moment, that mentality. And boy, they, they really impressed me last night. Just I thought Mike Bradley was, was immense. I thought some of the vets like Omar and Marky Delgado had a, a, an unbelievable game. And then the youngsters that I've known about for a long, long time, Luke Singh, who came into the academy on trial as a midfielder. And I said, Luke, you're never going to be a midfielder at the professional stage. And I argued with his dad. I argued with him. And to see him playing against the Mexican champions at a centre-back position where I finally put him kind of gives you a little pat on the back and says, you know what, we, we made the decision with another member of staff at the academy and it was the right decision. But we have a huge, huge pool of players that have top, top potential. They need to play. Mm-hmm. They need to play. And they go to this year, aren't they? And they're going to play. And you look at the players that we've had out this year injured, whether it be Q, the starting goalkeeper, Bono coming in for him, whether it be... Um, our left back, Jamo, out for a long, long time. Alro having to play left back. Richie, who's come on leaps and bounds in the last couple of years. Ralph Prizo, who's my captain of the 19s two years ago. Very, very good player who's going to be a top, top talent. Jaden Nelson, Jaquil Marshall Ruddy, Noble Akello with a goal. Don't know how it was disallowed last night, though. I don't either. Incredibly disallowed. But just. You can keep reeling them off because there's more. There's more coming through. You know, even with T2 now, we have three or four guys that are going to be with that group pretty soon. And that's the one similarity. Hey, Hey, Deej, question, Nelly. With so much talent and so much depth, there's not a great deal of opening spots. And unlike the UK or any European country for that matter, you've got football clubs every hundred yards each way, the lower divisions that you can send these players to to develop and get a, get a chance playing in a professional environment, even if it's a lower division. What do you think is going to be the challenge for TFC when you have that kind of situation? And then who is your opposition to keep these guys improving? Well, I think it's going to be a lot different than having Greg Vanny in charge of the team, Craig, because... He was in charge of a successful team, but they were a relatively veteran team. Guys that, that had won a lot of games and played elsewhere around the world. But I think the mandate this year coming from the president, the GM, and even Chris, who's come over from New York Red Bulls, where they developed a lot of younger players, sold them on, or are still playing within the league somewhere, is that we need to play these boys. We, we, we've been, as I said, banging on the door for a long time that, these guys need to play, and it's okay training week in, week out under Greg, where he, he knew they were good players. But with the mentality of the younger generation now, it's very difficult to keep everyone happy. And 
yeah. that's always a tough, tough thing for any head coach, Craig, as we said. It's not the 1 to 11 that you need to keep happy. It's the 12 to 20 that you need to keep happy week in, week out. But these younger boys, the only way you're going to keep them happy is playing. They're going to make mistakes, but you have to trust them as part of the process. And at the end of the day, they're going to be very, very good players. As long as they're coached, their their, their approach is right, um, the way of handling them is right, the the mentorship that they have within that first team anyway, whether it be Mike Bradley, Omar Gonzalez, guys like that have been around the league, been experienced around the world, is vital for these younger players as well. And it's only going to help them in a good way. And they all have one thing in common with Dan Wong. Do you know what that is? What's that? One thing in common with Dan Wong, all these kids you mentioned there, there's one thing in common. Do you know what it is? Dan's Anyone? been drinking for 30 years before they were born. No, they've got so. one thing in common. They've all got a tattoo saying, made by Dickio. <laughs> Over their heart. Over their heart. I, I was going to say about Danny, you can drink wine and beat your kids all the time <laughs> if you're going to come on and talk as much as you did Hey, that was on, on, that was on the unrecorded opener. Oh, yeah. No. So just the audience has kids. no idea oh, what well. we're talking about. <laughs> There's no yeah. reference, but go we should, ahead and we beat your reference kids. It now. So as we were talking before, <laughs> just to explain it. it, it came up, uh, I think it came up about when you guys um, were on the bench for an entire match and when you got home where your family's like saying, oh, too bad dad or you know well done dad because they didn't watch the game or were they like you know what are you doing home you lazy bastard and Deesha's response was first thing I did was throw my kids around the, around the house against the walls and then drink a couple bottles of Portuguese wine yeah to calm down it got to the stage where I used to come home and my missus turned out all the lights and hid everyone it's like a hide and seek game that's where the child abuse humor came from for the record, we don't condone any children being no, beaten not on at this all. podcast, especially Danny's family. But my kids beat me up now. <laughs> yeah, mine too. <laughs> I, I do love, though, that it wasn't enough for Danny to you know take credit for Canada's international goal-scoring record of 11 goals in one match, but also to take credit for having converted Luke Singh to centre-back <laughs> and beat the Mexican <laughs> champions where I, where, where in the League. Where I, I, put him, I, I take credit for that. Me and another coach in the academy, because <laughs> no one else saw it, and we were like, this boy can play at centre-back. But you know what? Uh, and I'm not just talking about the younger players that we have. It's, it's been a real group effort with the academy and the staff we have. And not just the coaches that are on the field with these players, but we have such a great support staff, whether it be medical, whether it be like the, the strength and conditioning people. And as I said, the fruition of this group coming through now is unbelievable. But it's been a work in progress for five, six, seven years now. Since you arrived really at the academy. Exactly, that's it. <laughs> no, that's I've been in the academy a long time, guys. I'm not part of the academy no more. They've kicked me out of there. I think CFC too. Quickly, what, what really surprised me was the... Re- well, no, I shouldn't say surprised me, but stood out was the reactions across the board for beating Leon that, you know, obviously there was a lot of young players in there and um, that would have got a chance, you know, in normal circumstances. But you see how much it meant when Mullins scored and he looked at Bradley, who was yelling at him with the exact same level of excitement. You know, Marky Delgado, who doesn't always yell and scream and show a lot of positive emotion sometimes, but how much it meant to him. Bono at the final whistle. I thought that was very cool to see, you know, as a unit, still kind of a new unit and a real mixed unit, how much it meant to the group. By the way, you mentioned all these kids, but Dom Dwyer was uh, reportedly training with TFC today, which is interesting. Um, Club Foot, Montreal. <laughs> I love saying that. I'm sorry. Club it's Foot, Montreal. Club Foot, Montreal. Yeah, the, the fans out there don't like it either. No. It's, it's, there's rebranding and then there's that. Uh, no Thierry Henry. 
Oh, the memories, Terry. Was that Craig? I, play, I played with a few clubfoots. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean, French speaking? Like, is it football club, Montreal? Club foot, yeah, but, like, but foot being like footy, right? Like yeah. the slang, like we say footy, not football. Footy would be foot. So it's like footy but club. Does anybody else use it, Charms? Like seriously, there's any, like in football? I know like some some pediatric hospitals. Are <laughs> they sure trying to fix club foots? I don't know. There's some seventh division club in the wine division of, of France that probably uses it. I don't. It shouldn't be too harsh, I suppose. But hey, I don't know. One, Danny, don't know. Danny wants me to be the judge and jury on yeah, this because I speak French. Yeah, I've never heard of it before. Well, how would you <laughs> say football club in French? Uh, club de football. Yeah, oui. yeah. Oui. The foot is literally, as we say, footy. I think they say foot. So it's like Toronto being named Toronto Footy Club. Yeah, not football club. Okay, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, anyway, no Thierry Henry. I need the washrooms. You go ahead, B. I was going to say that not having Thierry Henry is, to me, the biggest the biggest loss and the biggest uh, disappointment, I, I did guess, see him on the, on the zone doing a commercial for Heineken. Yeah. Did you see that? Heineken so, Zero, I think. Heineken Double zero. zero. But is that what he's doing now? Did he go, or was that an old commercial? No, I think he's he's always kind of been still involved in the marketing side of things. He had a deal with Puma, even though... Major League Soccer is at Adidas. Um, yeah, the Vavavoom uh, advert as well. I think it was Renault. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sure he's he's still a, you know a commercial asset out there for sure. But he's been doing some media, and I don't think it'll be very long before he gets into coaching. But I think uh, you know this circumstance of coming to Major League Soccer was is hard on anyone who's European based uh, in general. And then throw in COVID and the fact that he wasn't able to move about as freely as he would normally and with his family and kind of have an integrated life, work-life balance. It was it seemed rather impossible. So I could understand fully why, you know, it wasn't enough for him and he had to leave. Well, what was your... Ditch, what, what, bad enough. <laughs> what do you What do you think, Craig? Do you think he... Um... You think, he didn't want it bad enough, Deej. But do you think he gets another club? Do you think he gets another job? Because there's rumors of Celtic. Yeah, yeah. There's rumors of Bournemouth. But I don't know if anyone takes another gamble on him, Craig. Really? Mm, yeah. I don't Monaco? Know. Somebody will take struggle? a gamble on him on some, some level, for sure, I think. But I, I just think that a guy like him in a position where he was, if you're a hungry coach, Deej, if it was you, you got your first opportunity, you'd be diving at that chance. You're not... You know, you're going to do everything you can to make it work. He doesn't need to. He's got his name. It'll still carry him another couple times. Yeah. yeah. You're right in that sense that he doesn't need it as much as maybe, you know, a- another guy who um, who isn't going to have the next job lined up and doesn't have a marketing deal that's paying him six or seven figures on the side. So I can see that. Sure. But, I, but I just think that the job and- itself was a weird one. It's a strange one for someone like him. And I do think, and I'm not even talking about the coaching, just talking about the logistics in general. Uh, I really think, you know, in another year, if this was 2018, he'd come about. I think you'd, it would be a very different circumstance. Yeah. He got them to the playoffs. I think he did a good enough job to to get interviews for these other gigs. I, yeah, I think he's, Dunny, I don't know you, if he's erased. You, you could have got them to the playoffs. <laughs> the top 10 that. teams out of 12 get to the playoffs. <laughs> Yeah, you're Are right. You're uh, Thierry here. We're talking about Thierry Henry, and so and my friend has taken I mean, he, over. He Willie, if he thought he had a legitimate shot, they thought this team could maybe go all the way. That might have made the difference too. Maybe he's like, oh no, like what's going to happen? I go down there, don't really fancy it. Miss the family. 
His family he, lives he in London as well, huh? Yeah. He's, he's got two daughters, so I think they were in London. and He's been doing London TV. Yeah, so, so. I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a little bit of a strange appointment. I can understand it from a marketing point of view, but... It was a strange appointment. Strange when you say marketing, I mean, how many extra fans and seats do they really sell because of Henri as a coach? I think it's more about, well, marketing Just overall in the sense credibility. Of credibility, and, it, and I would have assumed that, you know, the recruitment possibility... Yeah, was really what elevated them. But okay, so when you when you hire a big name former player as a coach who's an unproven coach, does it help your credibility or does it make you look a little bit plastic? Bit of both. But I, I think Jesus for the last the decade that they've had, uh, what a what a gamble at the at the prospect of getting some some credibility, some press, some conversation outside of Canada, and then to be able to potentially use his network to bring in some players. I think that was the appeal. But did they? Did they bring I don't, in any they players didn't, in? No, no. But you're also looking at, I think the the you know, the anomaly that was 2020 in a global pandemic. Yeah. I, I, that I a thought big it, fact. it screamed almost old school MLS, where they're just going for the yeah. name. Yeah. There's not really any strategy behind it or any any like any, a Walter Zenga. Yeah, from exactly. Back in the day. Yeah, precisely. It's not about a proven commodity who's who's going to turn around a club. It's a bit like I don't know trying to bring in Jurgen Klinsmann to turn around a team's fortunes <laughs> in 2011, and even though he's got really very little little behind him, of being a really good striker once upon a time. Or the guy that used to read the tweets on the Footy Show to a podcast with two ex Premier Leaguers and the most notable face in Canadian soccer, like that, and me. Wagger? Wagger? The most notable? <laughs> Who said that? That's him. D- Danny says he knows the new guy, Willie. Do you want Willie to give him Willie Nancy, yeah. So he was on my, um, I, I did a French uh, coaching license, with which was part of the MLS um, way of thinking that they want to make the league one of the best leagues in the world by 2023, 24. So, so MLS. So they, yeah, they've, they've, put this yearly so i think it's every three years now they they do it cycle of picking a coach from each club it's called the efcl um and it's a collaboration with the french federation where they educate coaches from each academy and it's like a two-year course uh, a youth elite coaching course and willie was my my roommate on it so we went to sport in lisbon uh, we went to stuttgart um, good guy, really good guy, ex-player. Um, he's been at the club a long, long time, Montreal. He's been an assistant to many, many coaches there. And he's obviously ticked off the right boxes. They want some stability and let's hope he does well. I know the preseason games haven't gone too well. They lost to a couple of USL teams, but it's preseason. So I don't always think too much into that, but I wish him all the best because, again, stand-up guy. Um, I hope he gets the support he needs because we know They've got a little bit of a trigger-happy <laughs> notion in Montreal. But, but, but I mean, those stories, eh, Craig? I mean, they're better stories, right? Much like TFC with you, Deech. You know, you head overseas to get your badges. Same thing happened to Willie Nancy. A guy that knows the club, knows the area really well. Um, perhaps hasn't got the experience as being a head coach necessarily in professional football, but... To me, that's less of a gamble than, than going for this big star who has a very checkered history as a, as a manager. I would agree, but there's a there's that draw on that star power for sure, and the fact that whoever makes that hire will also they'll also get a bit of a, a leeway. They'll get they'll get a break. But Don't go, you think? 
But going back, like if Terry Henry is a failure, then it's like, well, I mean, I hired Terry Henry. Like, yeah. How can that be my fault? Yeah. But going back to what you said as well, Craig, where he just, I'm not saying he wasn't into it, but he didn't seem like he fully immersed himself into the job. And I believe the players see that as well in a, on a day-in, day-out basis. Um, yeah, yeah. You can see it from a, a, a marketing point of view, whether it be Patrick Vieira, whether it be Thierry Henry, whether it be Stevie Gerrard, like bringing co- coaches like that over to the league. It's a totally different situation than coaching in Europe because you have to – you have to understand the variables of the leagues, the rules, and there's been so many guys come over from Europe that just, it was too much of a headache for them, like Ruud Hullet, Aaron Vinter, uh, Ronald De Boer, guys like that that just had no idea what the trade, the drafts, the, the, the rules, the TAM, stuff like that. It was just too much of a headache, and they couldn't focus on the main thing, which was football. Mm-hmm. And I just see that players buy into that as well. They see that. Players are not stupid anymore. The league has evolved. It's progressed very well now. That You need to be an astute manager that knows everything, not only on the field, but knows all the the stuff that's going on around it as well. Frank DeBoer. Frank DeBoer, sorry, not Ronald DeBoer. I know this because the head coach of the San Jose Sharks, now the Vegas Golden Knights, DeBoer, Pete DeBoer, I once threw to him uh, hosting Sportsnet Central. He was doing a press conference, and I called him Frank DeBoer. <laughs> and Mart- That's Mart- a little bit harsh. And Martine was my co-host, and she looked at me, and she said, Pete. And I went, Pete what? And she's like, Pete DeBoer. And I said, yeah, I know. I just threw to him. And she said, you called him Frank. And I said, who called him Frank? And the producer's like, you called him Frank. I'm like, Frank DeBoer? And they go, who's Frank DeBoer? I'm like, how much time do you got? He's like, 30 seconds. We're coming back from Pete. I'm like, oh, okay. So I didn't get to explain Frank DeBoer. It's amazing you're not still working there. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, he's the Frank DeBoer, the the worst coach in Premier League history, and me the worst anchor in uh, Jeez, national desk television. Why don't you just bug him there, eh, Sherms? You're such it's a what bully. What we do is what we he's do. He's a bully. You're not the worst anchor. You're Thank the worst you. wanker. Right there, you go. There's a difference there. <laughs> do you think it's easier coming this way than going there? Because I mean, obviously, a lot of you know European and foreign managers have come to MLS, and some have done a good job, some others haven't. Very few have gone the other way. Jesse Marsh right now is, do, is doing a, a nice job in Europe. Mm-hmm. He's actually mentioned with a Celtic job for a while there. I think it's kind of gone quiet now. But it, it doesn't happen often. But it's so many intricacies over here. Over there, it's pretty straightforward, right, as far as football. It might be more pressure, um, but it's more straightforward. You're just running a football club. Whereas over here, you're like, I mean, you've got the drafts. You've got the gams and the tams and the whams and the rams. So what, where's, where's, salary cap <laughs> and salary cap, yeah. salary cap. So whatever. is it more of a challenge? Do you think coming here? I think Ted Lasso's done a, a pretty good job over there as well. Uh-huh. I was thinking of Ted Lasso when you were talking about having dickheads in the locker room, and you and Craig disagreed immediately. And I thought, well, what you know, what level of dickhead are we talking? Jamie Tart, <laughs> yes. who is it in the room that you have? Jamie Tart got came good in the end. Well, he? we got two more seasons. Let's not let's not crown two him more now. coming. They've signed on for two no. more seasons. Yeah, Have they really? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, immediately. I, was, I haven't been that surprised. Uh, that's probably a joke there somewhere, but I haven't been that surprised for a long time. It's a great series. Craig, have you seen it yet? Ted Lasso, you watched it? I have not. Oh, you have to, Craig. It's on Crave, right? It's on it's Apple. 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 
Not Wonga, not Wonga, sponsorships. Show, show, Wonga show Craig had a sponsorships. The, the actor that plays Roy Kent, who has to be. <laughs> oh, I'm getting Roy Kent and Jamie Tart mixed up. Jamie oh. Tart didn't come good. Roy Kent came good in the end. Jamie Tart's the Man City. Yeah, yeah, up front. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Roy, 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 Roy Keane. The Roy Keane clone has is... to be based off of Roy Keane, right? <laughs> I'm sure, it does. Apparently, so the actor who plays Roy Kent, uh, Goldstein, uh, Brett Goldstein, he is was a writer. Is in the Office too. Not the office in uh, Derek. Oh, okay. Yeah, but he's a, a writer on Ted Lasso, and okay. uh, I think a, a big football head. And so the rumor is that yeah, it was absolutely based off of Roy King. Oh, of course it was. Yeah. It has to have been. It's superb. So I think he might be. I think Roy Kent might be a bit friendlier in the room than Roy <laughs> Keane, though. Probably, no doubt. <laughs> um, all right, so we've been through TFC, we've been through Montreal, uh, Vancouver. Quickly, you spent some money this summer. Um, we did. Still lacking that star, but your boy Lucas looking for a bit of a bounce back season. I think it's fair to say. Yep, I told him I'm expecting 15 off him this year. He, he, so is the club, and he said what? He said I'm going to get 20. <sighs> wow, you hear it here on Footy Prime. We had a couple. We had a couple of Cervezas bet, so. There you go. Good kid, another good kid, works hard, nosies, nosies. Spanish? I hope he knows no, his Spanish. He knows, he, like, he knows his ceiling. He knows he's not like a super dude, a dribbler, this and that. He just, he's there to score goals. He's a, a big, powerful boy. He posts up well. Should have um, had six goals. He should have. He was really <laughs> pissed after that first game. Right I was going to ask you that, was he? Because, I mean, I, listen, he hadn't played for a while, so I'd give him yeah. a bit of leeway there, but he had some great chances. Had some great chances, and he hit a crossbar with probably his easiest one, but he was really pissed, and I spoke to him afterwards, and I said, rightly so, you should be, but you're lucky enough because it's a quick turnaround, and you're going to have the opportunity in the next game against the Cayman. He comes on within this five a, minutes. This is a chance, Deitch, that maybe never come along again where you actually have at least three of these four teams in World Cup qualifying where you can rack up your stats. Yeah. I think he went up to like fourth or fifth all-time scoring now. Him. Yeah. Him? Jonathan David, if he showed up, if he showed up, he would have already had the record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, sorry, Dero. Yeah, he probably would have would have lit the lit the lamp, as they say in Canada. Did you guys yeah, know? I mean, Dero Dero had a few punch bags. He had like St. Kitts, I think, he, and Cuba. He scored a few against those guys too, right? Yeah, that was kind of the start start of when we played lower lower ranked teams. But Concacaf and Victor Montagliani is also setting it up in a way that he. You know, with the league, even you know, with the Concacaf Nations League, to try to give these countries an opportunity, and I think he actually took it a little bit to heart when I said something about you know, <laughs> Cayman Islands seeing better pub teams, which is true, but he did make a point that it was the only real blowout in Concacaf. So you know, there was a six 0 I think, but you know, nothing outrageous like the 11 nil, you know what i mean so you know maybe they are getting a little bit better and at least being able to compete and play games and build a game in those smaller island countries so were you aware of the record during the match as the score just kept climbing the record for canada have most goals in a match against the caymans that was the that's the, the national record now 11 no so there was a couple of team meetings beforehand and there is uh 
a leadership team within the, the players that John has organized with the staff. And they would go back and forth on preparations and what they felt. And I think uh, the leadership group come back with a, a score. I won't say what what the score was, but what was expected of the team. Okay. And John flew off his handle and went straight back at him and said, I expect at least nine. <laughs> so uh, it was a little bit of banner, but like, I think John was being deadly serious as well. <laughs> I, d- I didn't know what the, the actual uh, record was, to be quite honest. Was it nine? I, I didn't know what it was either, but I, what did I say? I bet you, uh, yeah, we said, the, I bet you 10 and a half, we, right? we said, I set the total, uh, favorably low because it was a bet that I was happy to lose. Uh, I still owe you the 10 bucks for that bet. Um, but I said 10 and a half for the two games. So yeah, they, they broke the record, which was 10. They broke it in the one game and broke my bet. I mean, in the one game. <laughs> yeah. Broke your bank. Yeah. That's it. Bet to Vancouver very I quickly. Taken that, I would have taken that bet. Oh my! Like that would have. Yeah. <laughs> Add, adding the fourth voice here has really helped with elongating the show. <laughs> Isn't Just, it? You know. Where are we at? We're at. We're at uh, oh Jesus! A buck fifteen. All right. Hey Craig, quickly, uh, your thoughts on uh, very brief thoughts on your Vancouver Whitecaps this season? Are you uh, once again a, a troubled campaign? Do you foresee? I hope not. They really, the fans there deserve something better, and it's been a while. And it's uh, been frustrating for them, absolutely. And there's a lot. I know the soccer community there well, obviously. And the diehard soccer community is really frustrated with them too. So they they really need to to compete. And looks as though they have spent some money. So yeah, that doesn't always doesn't always buy you success, of course. But if you buy some players that give you a little bit of a and if Cavallini can knock in fifteen or twenty, like he says, then uh, they'll be fine. I they'll, think. They'll I think. I think they're going to be a surprise team this year. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the two new signings, and I just think they've like I, th- I, re- I really feel that the Santos is a good coach. I do too. And I think that he knew. I don't think that's the issue either. Yeah, I knew. I think he knew the the basis of what the the group of players he inherited, and that there was a time that he would have to go through a transition with them, but now he's starting to bring in guys that he knows will add quality to that squad, um, whether it be defensively, where I thought they were a little bit uh, open last year at times, which is, is not normally like a DeSantis team. He's very organized defensively. Um, and they've, they've acquired a couple of players. They've got a left back from uh, from Sporting Lisbon or yeah. from Portugal somewhere yeah, yeah. Who's, who's decent as well. So Sporting. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them play this year. And I think the the West is a little bit more weaker than it was last year. They spent on attack too, which I think is quite impressive that he was able to bring in. And just, I can't imagine recruiting was easy when you didn't know where you were going to play. Yeah, I mean, they sorted out Salt Lake rather late, I think, in comparison to the other two Canadian teams. So to bring in Diver Caicedo, who's well-rated, young uh, Colombian with a lot of potential, and then the Brazilian and Chao Alexander, or however they're pronouncing his first name, um, I think it's I think it's impressive. I think it's... Um, They've, they're a stronger side, it seems, than the side that, that kind of whimpered out last season. All right, very quickly, uh, predictions for... You know what? Ah, forget predictions. I was yeah, going to say, who gives a it. shit about predictions? They're ridiculous. They're pointless. They just waste time. <laughs> can we just say, can we just own it here? I'm so sick and tired what of predictions. <laughs> Come on, Craig. You really think predictions are worthwhile in any, any radio, podcast, TV show? Honestly? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right, Craig. Who's going to be in the MLS Cup final? You first, Craig. 
Oh, that, oh those predictions. <laughs> <laughs> he thought he was talking about the picks. Oh, he thought he meant not picks. picks. No, no, picks. no picks. <laughs> picks are important. Um, MLS Cup Toronto. final predictions. Seattle against Toronto, he said. <laughs> Sounders TFC. It's a pretty safe bet, actually, isn't it? Let's be honest. Does anyone care about predicting the final? I think it's so unpredictable that you cannot predict it. Okay, good. Such a wild season. I mean, there's 27 teams. That's a lot for one league. Is it every every show, be it podcasts, be it radio shows, TV shows, be it everyone's predicting finals. Who gives a shit? It means nothing. Let's wait until the final, and then we'll know, won't we? You, you know, it's what? just such a people mail this shit in. Oh, let's kill five minutes of a show and have a prediction segment. God, I hate them. I it's love minute you. what? Yeah. Four fifty. Sharps is uh, five oh seven. It's it's minute one hour and and twenty minutes. Sharps has lost the plot. Give him a slice of pizza. I mean, there's so many meetings we know with the producer saying, oh, "I think now we'll have a prediction piece." Like, oh God, that's Please. not why I call Could you to come in, in the closet brain. with me. <laughs> garage, come into the garage, Sharps. Not a closet. It's a garage. Yeah, but Sharps. Yeah. Sharms, you gotta think. You gotta think like a gambler. See, gamblers want to hear it. They want to hear it. I guess well, they've got it. They got something in their mind. And if if you say maybe you know, I think Chelsea's going to win on the weekend. It might yeah, be but just that's a tipping I, point. Yeah, I I, I know. But that's like okay. I understand. Like you know, when there are picks, for example, this weekend, we can get some some feedback and and some valuation very shortly. But when we're predicting a final, which is going to be in freaking. Ten what, months out. Ten months from now, no one's going to remember what we said, right? And no one's saying, "Oh, well, these guys said it's going to be Columbus again." By the way, Columbus again. Yeah, they'll be like, they'll be more worried about the fifth wave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If we're alive by then, yeah. fifth would be nice. I think based on the timeline, it would be seventeenth wave by then. I think actually, I think Doug's going to be uh, banning gambling uh, to my part the, the new restrictions because oh. apparently gambling spreads COVID. <laughs> According to our provincial politicians, I think Doug's just going to ban life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Doug. Oh, Doug. What a useless tit. <laughs> Never has a true word. Guys, if we can have a whip around, I'm telling you. <laughs> I don't think he's been downloading Footy Prime. I don't think so. No, no. Shall we get to Footy Picks? We should. It would be great if he did listen, though. Could you imagine? Oh, those guys there? Yeah, I get a Timmy's. I put them on the car. I drive in from Toko. What my, my friends. My friends. My friends. Do my not friends. listen to Footy Prime. Those guys <laughs> congregate in a garage. My friends, it has come to this. <laughs> These are trouble times, Are you my ready? Friends. It's been a while. Take it away. Well, you want me to do it Manchester accent, London accent? What, what it's got to be northern. Because we just heard as Charms gets angrier, his English accent gets thicker. <laughs> so yours has to be more regionalized, which is naturally northern. Okay. A one, two, a one, two, three, four. It's forty pigs. It's forty pigs. It's forty pigs on forty prime. I wonder if John Urban ah. listens to this, and here's one of his assistant assistant coaches. Oh, that was great! I missed that. We did yeah. one. I did last week. Yeah, pneumonia, Dickio. That was the, the, the pneumonia, <laughs> Dickio. Check your phone, Charms. Uh, my phone is recording Craig's. Uh, oh right. Oh. 
We've got some big picks this week. Do you need uh, the picks? Yeah. I can read the picks. Go ahead. Is that what you want? Yes, please. Okay. I love that you chose the game that's not from the weekend, by the way. You've got one game that's on Tuesday. <laughs> no, because I want people. So we've got a they don't Sunday, get to listen, a Monday, and a Tuesday? That doesn't make listen sense. Listen to, to, to the logic Strategy. Here. I want them to keep listening to our show, knowing that Footy Picks has given them a couple days to think about oh, it. Got if it. It, I give them a Friday game or a Saturday game, then they don't even get a chance. So that Look at the strategy here, I'm not the dumbest okay. looking man. But you're not the smartest. None. No, no, no. We've got Manchester United, Burnley, that team from over Lancashire, Burnley. Burnley. So, okay then. So, we got Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being rather vocal this week, attacking Jose Mourinho. Now, he's got to attack Sean Dyche. Is there going to be food at the end of the table? <laughs> um, I think... Yeah, that's a good shout. What a brief pick. That's a good shout. Uh, I'll go... Oof, okay, just to be different. I'll go 4-1 United. Ooh, I was thinking that. 4-1 United. I am going to go 1-0 Manchester United. Ooh, nail-biter. Late on? Uh, no, like Burnley haven't played. United have been in old, uh, like Europa. They didn't play particularly well today against Granada. They didn't need to, though. Bruno looks a little bit offish. Rashford's mm-hmm. carrying an injury. I still think they have enough to smash them, but I think it could be closer than we all think. The Craig of a... He opened with... Oh, did he? Yeah. Sorry. 3-0. Apologies. Oh, 3-0, was it? Okay. All right, next up now, last week actually we had Leeds against uh, City, right? What a cracking a- and, game and that was, I think was, the over-under was like, like, what, seven? We made a bet about it. Um, yeah. I think you had so chosen you five. You owe me money is what I'm saying. So we owe you. Yeah, you yeah. won. Because Forrest said nine after I uh, hopefully said seven. What do you mean? You thought Man City were going to win 7-0? No, no. We did a total overall, bet. Overall. We did a wager. So Dan Wong has just paid up here Thanks, uh, Wonger. Thank you. So Wonger's the only one that will have paid up for our losses. By the way, Dickie also owes me 25 bucks from a MLS pool at the Fox Soccer Report. 2009. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Long memory, that sure. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't let it go. I wouldn't let it go. You, you could take it out in 45 slices of pizza you had. <laughs> I would take that out of the uh, $30 a month I pay for this fucking podcast. There you go. <laughs> You're really making money off all yeah. this. Oh, yeah, I? <laughs> Leeds against Liverpool Yorkshire. from Ellen Road. War of the Roses. It's Monday, 3 o'clock kickoff. Oh, yeah, that is as well. Strange one, but great strategy for our producer. Pick these games later in the week. Well, who's well, listening well, well, to a podcast on the weekend? It's at LM Road, Leeds. Loving how they performed against City last week, even with yeah. ten men. Liverpool, I think Liverpool played really well this week. Charles. They did. Me too. Yeah. If, no, 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 if they can no, just no. score, if he scores that early goal, Salah, Salah, yeah, it's a different game. Yeah, I yeah. Think, they were the they could have been up two 0 at halftime, and that yeah. would have changed everything. I think this could be a draw. Yeah. 2-2. Two, two. Desmond's. 1-1. One, one. Desmond's. I love that. Craig. Leeds Four, Liverpool. 4-3 Liverpool. 4-3 Liverpool. Liverpool. boy. Yeah. Keepers on top. Goalkeepers on top for that one. And then the last game is, is down in God's country, West London. Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Chelsea. The scum, of, the scum of West London. <laughs> Chelsea against those lovely boys from Brighton. Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea, who have also advanced to the Champions League semi-finals, where they'll meet the devourers of Liverpool, Real Madrid. Thomas Tuchel's revolution continues. Wild. 
They're going to smack Brian, aren't they? Danny, what happened, sorry, with Tuchel and Consal Sal? Because they were going at each other on the bench. Uh, I'm not sure what it stemmed from, to be honest. I had that game in the uh, picture in picture. Uh, so I saw them kind of go about it, but it didn't seem like it truly kicked off and I never saw yeah. again. But probably Thomas Tuchel said Euro 2000 was a fluke and <laughs> you, Portugal, were not as good as Germany and England. So the hell with you. What, yeah. Washed up career, playing career. Interesting. Recklessly speculating that was the banter. <laughs> that seems something like Tuchel would say, right? Chelsea 3-1. Ooh, that's a good scoreline. I'm going to go 2-0 Chelsea. They don't, yeah, Chelsea they don't concede goals. Do they? Is, is Brighton like the most invisible team in the league? No one talks about Brighton, and they're going to survive. No one year. talks about Burnley. Yeah, we do. Just because of Sean Dyche's voice. It's looky likeys? That's yeah. probably it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's the only reason that's I know. It's the only reason. That's, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's the best soundbite. Brighton's in that no man's land. Yeah, it's every year. Like, yeah, they're not going to get relegated. They're not going to do anything else. Which is great for them, though, isn't it? Yeah. Graham, Graham Potter's done a nice job there. They play yeah. good football. He has done a good job. And Mope is a good talent. Like, there was mm-hmm. a, quite a few teams in for him. Villa oh, were they, really. They've got some nice players on their team. And I like him as a coach, Potter. I just think that the struggle to put teams away, they've, they've drawn games this year or they've lost games by one goal, which they should have got something out of. But they got the midfielder, is it Basunda? I think most teams have got a Basunda in the midfield. Oh, this, this boy's a good player, and I think like Arsenal are after him, Man United are after him. Um, Mopé is a good player. Um, they've got the boy White at the back, who Leeds were after. They had him on loan for a long time. He's going to go for big, big money if, if they can't keep hold of him. They've got some nice little players there. Um, they Danny Welbeck. Danny Welbeck, who when he comes back, he's like a resurgence of himself at 21. Yeah, it's a resurgence of... Always comes for, for, back for around weeks. Easter as well. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a more unlucky player than Danny Welbeck? My God. He's oh, because he's on about injured. 60 bags a oh, week. That's so. true, yeah. yeah. No. Good right. player. Craig, what you got there, pal? 2-1, Chelsea. All right. So there aren't too many uh, great matches this weekend, are there? Uh, Leeds-Liverpool will be a good game. Spirit Interesting, yeah. For, uh, to, to just about Sheffield United, they could actually be officially uh, relegated this weekend. Oh, this weekend, yeah? They could be. That's too bad. That's a shame. Get them down. Shame for the Dobbies. Yep, our good friends, the Dobbies, who might actually still be listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks after we had him on. <laughs> yeah, he could be. He could be filtering out stuff. Yves Bissouma. Bissouma. Cote d'Ivoire. Bissouma, yeah, yeah, right. Very good place. Right. Very good. Brighton. You say, Not for Sheffield. You say United. Cote d'Ivoire, don't you? Yeah. Yes, sir. You haven't watched about West Ham, have you? No, I haven't. But I still, I'm going to go out on the line here. They don't get in Champions League football, Craig. Ooh. Well, to be honest, I mean, it's a, it's a tough run in. No, no. They've got well, the, no, they've, they, they've got the best run in, Craig. They've only, the only yeah, big game they've got to play is Chelsea. But I just, I, I think Liverpool might scratch easy in. Easy run in too. Yeah. What's uh, Chelsea's like? Because I mean, I they're think, obviously the team in form. Now, Chelsea will get in, I think. It's, I think Leicester might. It's either Leicester or West Ham will drop out. You think Leicester will keep keep going out, eh? God, I, I hope know. so. Like, no, Les, Le, Le, well, Leicester. They've been struggling of late. And they're, yeah. they're just in there, what, two or three points now? And Brendan Rodgers dropped four players last yeah. week for a COVID party. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure his owners are happy with that, but I like that he's stuck to his guns. But uh, I don't know. I think Leicester, I just, uh, West Ham in the Champions League. Can you believe that? 
I was hammering Trevor the other day because Trevor was like, we're all over it. <laughs> Trevor Sinclair, That's for those who are wondering. It's like, you hammered him on Twitter. Huh? No, on Instagram. Oh, like, uh, he's talking about West Ham being in, like new uh, Leicester. And I was like, Trev, <laughs> relax a little bit. You've had a good year. Jesse Lingard <laughs> is not going to sign for you. And you'll be back to I square tweeted, one. I tweeted out in the, in the, it's like watching Brazil because actually for those three goals it was. And then after I tweeted that out, they're like, Accrington and Stanley, for Christ's sake, they're terrible. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, well, they, ne- they, nearly, they nearly drew the game. Oh, another minute left. It was 3 0, wasn't it? The half, wasn't it? 3 0, and they yeah. were hanging on towards the end. Well, they've got Newcastle in the early game on Saturday, so they'll thrash, they'll thrash Newcastle. Yeah, Steve Bruce will continue in charge. Yeah. Been a strange year. Do you, think we'll, do you think we'll look back in, on this season? with any fun memories at all. Do you think it will be an asterisk season like Liverpool's last year? Shut your face. <laughs> Shut your face. There's no asterisk. Actually, they've announced today that there is going to be one game that every Premier League club can have fans in. Yeah, that's right. right Before the end of the season. So who... I'm trying to think. I haven't seen the schedules. Can you, cho- can you choose that game? <laughs> well, look, everyone's picking Man U. Probably. Yeah, you're not going to say uh, we got Burnley last game of the yeah. season. We'll, we'll have that one. But no away support, though. So, no. you, so you, who is the worst away support in the league? Who will you avoid? Who is the worst away support in the league right now in the Premier League? I guess it, well, it depends Brian. on who you are. You think so? Fulham and Brian? The fewest fans, you mean, taken? No, the biggest tossers. Oh, well, the biggest Not tossers, fewest. Oh. Tossers. I mean, if you're someone like Fulham or Brighton, I don't think you want Liverpool showing up at your ground. You don't want Newcastle showing up at your ground. No. You don't want Burnley showing up at your ground? Why? I, Why? I honestly don't think away fans are going to be allowed. I think it's just no, I don't they're not, they're not just saying that though. Yeah, they'll just be home fans. It's good. I think they're putting things into a plan of action for the Euros as well because have they announced that countries that are holding games have to have 25%, 20% or 20,000 in their stadiums for games. But there's taught now that by the semifinals, it could be full stadiums. Uh, and Wembley are saying that, nothing's confirmed just yet, but Wembley's saying that the way things are going right now, there's a good chance they could have full stadium by the semis and final. That sounds crazy. Did you see the stadium in Texas for the Rangers home opener against the Blue Jays? They had a full stadium. No masks. And showed up, it right? looked... Was it full? It was full. Yeah. Oh, it was Blue Jays game. Yeah. Oh, was it? Okay. Oh, Blue the, Jays. The Blue Jays and the Texas Rangers, yeah. You, you, you might have been thinking about hockey, where yeah. they'd open the doors for no, hockey and up. no one had to show yeah, up yeah. or small numbers. But, I mean, you're talking about arenas that struggle to fill anyway. Florida, I think Florida had, uh, you know, their max capacity was like 7,000 or something. They only got 2,500, which was lower than their average attendance the season before. But So, Jays, uh, Rangers, so sorry, it was full, but it was what, full. what was strange about it? Well, we're still in a pandemic. That's what's strange about it. It's amazing. You know, these guys traveling through the airport back from Florida. We had to fly through. On the way there, we had to fly through Newark, New Jersey. And on the way back, we flew through Chicago O'Hare. And? I turned next to to Stevie Caldwell at one stage. I went, Does America understand there's a fucking pandemic going on? (laughs) It was so busy. Yeah. Normal. And then, like, you go to Pearson, and it's like a ghost town. Yeah, no one. But, like, both airports in the U.S. were packed. Packed. Like normal travel. Normal travel day. It's wild. Even more, I would say. But 
they they do crazy things like you know manufacture their own vaccines and stuff, stupid stuff, and they can they can handle it. The bitterness. Five oh seven. Oh, we're all bitter with this. But let's not get into that. Forty picks. It's forty picks. It's forty picks on forty. <laughs> Did you redo it at the end there? <laughs> Beautiful. All right, it's an hour and thirty-five minutes in, and a lot of this was actually relatively intelligent babbling. So I appreciate that, boys. We still didn't get to Aguero, though. I know. This I just thought I was going to mention on. that we will get... You know, that, that, this story regarding Aguero, where he's going to go, and has he got much in the tank? That's going to linger on. It's going to linger on. So we, we can bring that into a podcast uh, in, in the very near future. It's a good topic, actually. We discussed last week about who you know might what? be going to City. It's just a prediction. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, Greg? I'm going to predict that my, 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 my cell phone is about to die. Craig's been in the car for four and a half hours. No longer. Where are you now, Craig? Where are you? I'm just ready to go in the underground, but I can't. I might lose you. <laughs> well, thanks for that, brother. Well, thanks, pal. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for not crashing. I've been on the phone. I've been on the call for two hours, nine minutes, and twenty-three seconds. Yeah, but the, the half an hour of that was not recorded. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, more than that. <laughs> thanks for bringing that up, buddy. We thanks, love you, pal. buddy. Park safe. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it in, uh, that we drive on a parkway and park in a driveway? I don't know, Seinfeld. Yeah. Why is that? <laughs> What's with that? <laughs> so Amer- Americans got it right. They're called freeways because you're just yeah. flying. Why Free is Ovaltine an oval? The mug's <laughs> round. <laughs> the jar's round. That's my Seinfeld impression. And we wonder Kenny why these... Banyan. It's Kenny Banyan stuff. Is right? this why you babbled on for yeah, exactly. five minutes last 19 week? 19-minute yes. goodbyes. Part of, the reason is, part of the reason is, is, is the, uh, the gorgeous beer that we are consuming during this podcast, courtesy Amsterdam Brewery. Thank you so much. The three speeds going down a treat. Sponsorship. 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 Sponsor, sponsor. Enter your name right here. We'll take anything at all. Shams will literally take anything at all. Yep, at this point. Blue microphones. Thank Blue microphones. Much. Thank you very much. Uh, we think our audio has improved dramatically the last uh, few weeks after a little uh, microphone 101 ing with these tosses. And, uh, when are you uh, going to, Shams, when are you going to, uh, why doesn't your pie company sponsor us? Yeah. Yeah, um, cheapos. Because we can't afford any advertising right now. He's already sponsoring the show 30 bucks a week, you said. That's a good point. Don't mention Sharma's proper.ca. Yeah, we were on the National uh, two weeks ago as well. CBC. Oh, by the way. What's that? I heard you're like number three in the pie business. What, worldwide? No, in Toronto. Shut up. <laughs> what were the other two? What Name were the two other others. Two? Yeah. <laughs> hey, by the way, by the way, we're we've, really impressed. We've now expanded our delivery footprint. Now all of York region, Etobicoke, Mississauga, Oakville, across to um, Oshawa and Pickering, 
and into the lake if that's where you are. Well, are we talking about COVID restrictions or are we talking about your delivery? <laughs> are, are you the cash man? I'm the cash Oliver man. Jewelry. Oliver Jewelry, yep. He's the, the cash, cash man. man. Spend your money with a... Na, na, na. And pies. <laughs> I'm with you, Forrest. Poor Forrest. Yeah, no free advertising. No free advertising till he pays. It's <laughs> an hour and 39 minutes. That's 800 bucks at least right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Slipping in at the, in the, what is it, 125 minute mark of the show? <laughs> no, it's an hour and 39 minutes and 32 seconds off the second recording. We're about to do 100 minutes right now. <laughs> oh, sense beeping. There's the beeper. All right, we've got to go. Thanks again, DeanBlundell.com, of course, as well. Uh, we're back next week in the garage. Thanks, fellas, and everyone listening. Cheers. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.